fostering opportunities for leadership for women in the philanthropic sector. Hi, I'm Bill Stajakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Pazit Levitan, who is the Director of Development for the American Friends of the Soroka Medical Center located in Israel. She fundraises in the United States to support that medical center uh, in Israel. And Pazit, welcome back to the fundraising school. Great to have you with us on our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Ben. In addition to her doctoral degree, Dr. Levitan also has her certificate in fundraising management from the fundraising school. And she just completed a research study that looks at the involvement of women on nonprofit boards and what that means for their leadership development opportunities. Pazit, what did your study find? So the key finding is that women join nonprofit boards only if they have a passion for the mission and a desire to give back to the community. That was a major finding. And by understanding those motivational factors, um, it's, it provides a better platform uh, to work with women when you're doing fundraising, collaborations, or strategic planning. So passion for the mission, how is that expressed? Is the nonprofit reaching out to these women who are interested in serving on so, boards? So most of the study participants not only said that they have a passion for the mission, but they also indicated that they have, they believe in the organization in advancing that mission. Uh, most of them had already a good experience with the organization and want to contribute. In addition to that, 80% of the study participants also indicated that they believe that they can offer a value to the board. So um, if somebody comes to them and ask them to serve on the board, um, it would be better if there's some dialogue indicating exactly what type of role they're gonna serve on the board and what of their skills and experience is um, appreciated when coming to the board. So many women already have a history with the nonprofit organization. They're able to live out their passion for the cause of that nonprofit. And your study also found that as the relationship moves to possibly serving on the board, uh, that it, how important is it, if you can amplify that point, uh, for the nonprofit to be clear about the expectations of serving on the board, which may be different from uh, the candidate's previous participation with the nonprofit organization. Right. Once women get on the board, the work begins. And um, the study also investigated what are the challenges that these women face and how they overcome these challenges, which were, you know, it's a qualitative study. It, were, um, it was conducted through deep uh, interviews with seasoned uh, board members. And 90% um, said that um, challenges revolved around interpersonal relationship mm. and um, um, dissension about uh, with peers, it doesn't have to be like one-on-one. -on -one. It could be a major change in the composition of the board, somebody leaving the board. It could be um, somebody dominating board, um, um, board uh, meetings and others. And the way they really overcome it and, and talked about it throughout the research is by building relationships. So this is, I wanna emphasize on that because women essentially become impactful leaders on nonprofit organizations if they have one, passion for the mission and two, the ability to build relationships with peers. And Pazit, 
90% of your study participants said that when there are challenges, it comes in this area of interpersonal relationships. Does that also mean 90% of women have challenges with serving on boards? Or was it of those who have challenges serving on boards, when there is a challenge, it's all about interpersonal relationships? Can you take us a step deeper, please? Of the people who already serve on boards and everyone I interviewed are seasoned uh, board members on at least two boards for at least five years voluntary on boards that compose of men and women, because uh, that was, you know, very strict c- criteria. Um, of those, 90% described all sorts of pa- challenges, but they all had to do with interpersonal relationships, surprisingly so. Not like um, the lack of resources or um, um, lack of time to do the work, but more, uh, you know, they're there, they want to do the work, and because it's so collaborative and it's such a team and many times people come from many uh, walks of life, you know, you have to have that muscle of building relationship, active listening. A lot of the women describe that, you know, a lot of board members, male and female, are can be dominating or not used to hearing no. And, um, and you just have to build that um, trust and mutual dialogue, you know, build that dialogue um, among peers and do it outside of the boardroom, not only inside the boardroom. Yeah, that, that wonderful explanation really leads into the question I was going to ask next and still will, and that is about some gender differences on the board. When you talk about challenges, are, you know, are the women having their interpersonal challenges with the men on the board, or is it with the men and the women on the board? It doesn't matter the, the gender, the sex of the other board members those challenges are still there. So obviously, you know, people might just think naturally, is this with the guys on the board or is it potentially with all board members when women face these challenges? Right. It's a great question. Surprising. First of all, I want to um, say that I did not interview men, so I didn't really compare. And that's recommendation for future research to see if the answers uh, of the findings among men board members would be different. But surprisingly, uh, most women didn't uh, have a problems or a challenge with men or gender, lack of gender diversity. Uh, most women did talk about lack of diversity on the board. That has been a challenge, but surprisingly, it's not only gender diversity, it's also they talked about racial diversity, even age diversity, but a reverse age diversity of what we're used to in the corporate world because a lot of people want the sense of purpose and have the availability of time when they're older and kids are no longer at home. Um, and actually women express, we need to bring some younger people, but they don't have maybe as much resources, not time, not money. So, you know, people find it comfortable to, to actually have their club of, you know, um, older uh, people. Um, so it wasn't specifically, you know, challenge, challenge of men, but uh, women did express the need to promote women on the board. And the fact that in most boards, you, uh, usually the richer boards and the bigger boards have still less women than men. Mm. So still a lot of work to do in terms of gender diversity, in addition to the other areas of diversity that you just described so well. Uh, Pazit, what about solutions then? Did, did your study identify either from the study participants or your own synthesis and analysis of the qualitative data, 
um, you know, what people can do in this situation, whether it's the women themselves serving on the board or what the nonprofit organization can be doing as women uh, have this challenge, when they have this challenge of interpersonal relationships on the board of directors. Again, great question. Thank you. So from the nonprofit point of view, um, and I can say also from my own experience and from the research that, uh, you know, we need to realize that leaders of nonprofits come from all walks of life, not um, uh, not um, only like CEO or people that have uh, succeeded in the traditional uh, corporate world, but uh, quite the contrary. If a woman was active in her community, in her family, in school, you know, of her kids, um, she could uh, contribute a lot to the boards with event planning and, and management and uh, organizing and collaborations. So um, that in itself is something to understand that a good board has that diversity also of experience. That's one thing. And women should trust themselves more and have more confidence. You don't need to have a glorifying, you know, uh, uh, resume in order to um, offer yourself to the board. You don't just come knock on the door of the board, uh, you know, of the conference room and offer, but you get more involved slowly. You see something that you champion a project you like and you're good at. And from that, you get more involved. You have informal conversations. And a third thing that women mentioned, if you can get a mentor and do some type of informal or formal learning um, as you do in your school so well, but um, if you can just uh, learn and uh, ask people, you know, for coffee tea, just to talk about how we can get more involved. How do you become influential board member? What would be the path for it? And what would be some tips and what to avoid and what to enhance? Those are um, great, the mentorship. So a lot of these women said that they had a mentor, not necessarily from the board that really taught them some of the women, it was their father or mother, you know, but people had um, a mentor, good, good role models along the way. What excellent practical advice based on your research findings. Um, I also want to pursue just the, the other category of, of your study. You talked about women joining because of their passions. We talked about the a common consistent challenge they might run into while serving on the board. But you also talked about how women tend to join boards because they want to have a community impact. And of course, community impact can happen so many ways, tending to your household and your family members and improving the community that way. Certainly, of course, professionally uh, expressing you know, professional skills and, and doing your work out in the marketplace, voting, being involved in civic participation. And yet women are also finding a way to impact their communities through board service. What can we learn from your study in that regard as women uh, are interested in serving on our respective boards of directors? So first of all, even before I did the research, when I read, you know, uh, when I read in the literature review, I found that um, there is a correlation between happiness and feeling satisfied and doing something with a sense of purpose. Mm. So if you do something you love and you believe in and you feel impactful that you are contributing your own impact to changing the world or advancing that cause, um, it makes you feel happy and you magnify, you, you magnet that type of energy, you know, as you do things again, collaboratively, uh, um, in a collaborative way. So that's one thing with that, you know, psychology, psychological. Another aspect of, um, 
of, of joining a board and being, you know, uh, feeling that purpose is really to um, create new connections, not only personal, but professional networking, finding interesting people that you may not have met. Otherwise, a lot of the study participants didn't um, admit that that was the primary reason of joining the board. But some study participants said, oh, everybody has it in their back of their mind, even if they don't tell you, you know, because it's not, you know, it's something very nice to uh, be a part of a group that think like you have a passion, like you values, uh, similar values, and they also practice business strategy, um, overcoming challenges together and, and advancing a cause, you know. So that's also a very uh, good practice. And people that uh, want to explore uh, maybe, um, you know, their business sense and, and, and organizational, they can advance themselves and brand themselves accordingly and even uh, get to know oneself more deeply by doing this work. And so through Dr. Pazit Leventon's uh, research here, we can see here uh, that women are pursuing board memberships, certainly for professional reasons, to help sharpen their professional skills and network and pursue professional opportunity. They do so for a community impact to make a difference out in the community. They have a passion for the cause and also have that personal benefit of enjoying what they're doing and expressing their philanthropic motivations and values, which of course is consistent with the fundraising school's definition of fundraising, the gentle art of teaching, the joy of giving. We are in the joy delivery business uh, when we're fundraising and providing people with other opportunities, volunteering and so forth in the philanthropic sector. This is what we teach at the fundraising school in our public courses, which are now in person more often in more locations. Uh, and you can find out about those public courses as well as our custom training, which uh, can come to you in person or online. So our public courses and our custom training both in person and online uh, in the United States and around the world. We have our quarterly webinars. We have these free weekly podcasts, all available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I'm so grateful for our guest today, Dr. Pazit Levitan. She's the director of development for the American Friends of Soroka Medical Center and the author of this intriguing new research on women and the reasons that they serve on our nonprofit boards. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.